0: This is Law Bites, a podcast with Michael Geist. Bill C-18, the Online News Act, heads to clause-by-clause review this week at the Senate Transport and Communications Committee. For those that don't follow the play-by-play of lawmaking, this means that the Senate Committee will be considering potential amendments to the bill and likely sending it back to the full Senate for approval. Now, much like Bill C-11, if changes are made, the bill goes back to the House of Commons, but if left unamended, the Senate could approve as is, and the bill will likely become law before the summer break. The committee study of the bill wasn't as extensive as Bill C-11, but it did hear from a wide range of stakeholders and experts. Last month, I devoted this podcast to my appearance before the committee, including my opening statement and exchanges with various senators. This week's podcast takes listeners into the committee room for clips from media big and small, independent experts, Google and Meta, and Canadian Heritage Minister Pablo Rodriguez. Note that this isn't meant to cover everyone. There's many more supporters and critics of Bill C-18 who provided their perspectives to the committee that you won't hear on this podcast. What I wanted to do instead was highlight three of the biggest issues coming out of the Weeks of Hearings. First, the ongoing concerns from many digital and independent media outlets in Canada about the implications of the bill. Second, the fears about what Bill C-18 will mean for trust in the media, both due to transparency concerns as well as the role of the CRTC. And third, the elephant in the room. Will Meta and or Google walk away from News in Canada in response to Bill C-18's mandated payments-for-links approach, and if they do, what will it mean for Canadian media outlets, and how might the government respond? Let's start with the many digital and independent media companies expressing reservations with Bill C-18. For example, Jeff LG of Village Media told the committee the following.
1: The point I hope to make today is very direct. We believe strongly that there are fundamental issues with C-18 which, instead of helping our industry, could hurt it substantially. The original premise of the bill was that large tech platforms take our content without our consent. This is not an accurate depiction of our relationship. Each of us has had the ability to prevent Google from crawling our sites at any time, just as we have the ability to simply stop publishing our content to Facebook. We don't do this, however, because we benefit greatly from the traffic back to our sites, which we, in turn, are able to monetize, form new audiences, subscribers, and followers that we would otherwise be challenged to reach. These platforms are the best on-ramp to news that we have found, and we have tested many. Today, Google and Facebook combined generate almost 50% of our traffic on an ongoing basis. This is not unique to us. You'll find numbers close to this across our entire industry, legacy or new.
0: Jen Gerson from The Line also had concerns.
2: I think that this bill is Fundamentally, conceptually flawed, and I hate to bring this to the Senate at this late juncture, but I'm not sure that even um, uh, transparency measures, which I agree with, or amendments can fix it. Uh, Fundamentally, there's nothing that is grassroots or collaborative about this bill. This bill clearly came about as a result of um, a a set of collaborations and and discussions between people, I should say, lobbyists that were more or less uh, dominated by the existing legacy players, and government. If this had truly been a collaborative grassroots effort, Bill C-18 would not look anything like this. It would have built-in transparency measures. The CRTC would have nothing to do with it. And it would probably look something more like a straightforward taxation of digital media that would then be reapportioned out to um, uh, both independent and legacy media according to a, a very transparent, easily published formula of some kind.
0: Ben Wood of the All Business Online News Group highlighted his business model, which focuses on paywalls and subscriptions rather than social media, and noted that Bill C-18 might help large news organizations, but create risks for small and medium-sized outlets.
3: Our slow and steady business model wouldn't impress Bay Street investors, but 84% of our revenues now come from circulation, enabling us to grow our coverage every year and pay our people salaries that are fully industry competitive. And we did it all without making a single Facebook or Twitter post in 22 years. That said, Bill C-18 is not going to be a game changer for us because we will not post our articles outside of our hard paywall. Our profitable publication has multiple reporters at provincial legislatures, city halls, the courts, and covering important industries like transportation, utilities, real estate, and oil and gas but we do not give away our content, the lifeblood that sustains us, and a link to a hard paywall will never go viral. But the legislation will provide a shot in the arm for the largest news organizations in the country, which post content for free, and which we compete with for new hires and subscribers. These large organizations with dedicated social media staff, free content, and lots of general interest stories that should perform well under this proposed system. This being the case, we say small and medium news organizations, including subscri- subscription-driven players like us, may be damaged by Bill C-18, unless the government ensures the continuation of some sort of level playing field.
0: Even supporters of the bill are calling for some changes, particularly with respect to trust and transparency. Here's a three-part response from myself, Former CRTC Vice Chair Peter Menzies and Marla Boltman from Friends of Canadian Broadcasting, a vocal supporter of the bill, as we all discuss the trust issues arising from Bill C eighteen.
4: A lot of discussion in today's world is about trust in the media, and we hear comments about fake news, and you know it's constant that you know. And I, I talk to ordinary people, say I don't believe a thing I hear on the on the news anymore. Uh, I'm just wondering about Bill C eighteen. You know, governments. I guess trying to, uh, you know, restore that trust or, or at least uh, to cement it. I'm just wondering how you see uh, Bill C-18, and I ask this to any other witnesses that want to answer. <clears throat> how will that strengthen Canadians' trust in news? Do you see C-18 doing any of that?
0: No, I, I'll, go, I'll try to go quickly, make sure everyone has a chance. I think it does the opposite. Um, I think that it undermines trust in a couple of important important ways. Um, One, I think it undermines trust because I think it does skew coverage. It may be the case that people have had op-eds cancelled. I think anybody who fairly looks at the coverage of this bill within mainstream media will acknowledge that there has been a blurring of editorial and the business interests of many of these entities, which I think ultimately undermines trust in those entities because they've put their business interests on the front page as editorial. Uh, I think further, you know, by invoking essentially Google and Facebook say, well, we want perhaps as much as 35% of our, our news outlets' th- costs funded by these two companies, how can we trust the coverage of those companies when they are so dependent on it? That's why I've put forward the fund model, because I think that we need to create a system whereby it is arm's length between where the funding is coming from and and who actually directly benefits. And the way we've established now, I think you can have uh, companies that can survive, but I'm not so sure that they're going to be trusted when people know that two-thirds of their funding come either from Silicon Valley or from the federal government.
4: If I might add that the. Okay. Go ahead. time.
5: Uh, I might add that uh, the entire news industry depends on trust. It's its primary commodity. Without trust, it has no hope. It's always advertised itself. You know, this evening, watch uh, uh, Senator Manning's most trusted news. Right, like that's that's always been the platform behind it. And anything that undermines trust, even if it's ten or twenty percent of the population, and even if you don't agree with it. Is is going to kill the business, and this bill undermines trust.
2: And if I may add, I think that that's exactly why Friends is calling for more transparency in this bill, because lack of funding transparency will only further feed this distrust. Canadians have a right to be able to measure the levels of influence in their news mico excuse me their news ecosystem. If it is thirty percent or thirty five percent, Canadians need to know about that and. We need look no further than the recent public outcry that followed Twitter's mislabeling of English CBC News to show us just how much Canadians value and appreciate the independence of their news media. And a little bit more transparency in this bill will help accomplish that and will help accomplish trust.
0: There are also ongoing concerns with the role of the CRTC, articulated well by former CRTC Chair Conrad von Finkenstein in his exchange with Senator Pamela Wallen.
6: Does the CRTC, to,
2: in your mind, really have the expertise to do these two new massive jobs and anywhere close to the infrastructure and the bodies to do it?
7: No, they will have to go on. I, I think they will probably have to set up a new division to deal with, deal with, uh, with uh, C-18, you know, and bring in the necessary expertise. They are, uh, and probably also contract out a lot of it like for instance the code of conduct I don't think there's anybody in the CRDC who, who is capable of doing it or maybe don't forget I haven't been there for 10 years there may be a lot of talent there that wasn't there in my days but you can farm these things out you can get get, get other people to draft it for them and put it out for, for comment and then adopt it the, etc. but all of that is not done overnight, it takes a long, long time
0: the CRTC concerns extend to its powers under Bill C-18. Philip Crawley, the publisher of The Globe and Mail, emphasized this issue in his appearance.
7: Let me return to that importance of independent journalism and the trust that builds with readers and partners. It's, it's a core principle of The Globe and continues a tradition of respecting editorial freedom going back to Roy Thompson, um, dating back to the 1930s. So it's why I'm asking the Senate today to take a close look at the amendments to the language of Bill C-18 as discussed with Heritage and as presented uh, in Paul Deegan's submissions from NMC. Allowing the CRTC to go fishing for confidential information from news organizations, particularly information related to editorial departments, would be an overreach that's best avoided. Minister Rodriguez and his staff have assured us that there is no intention to use the provisions of C-80 in that way, and we welcome that. But to remove all doubt, I urge you to adopt the specific language that is being proposed. The Globe has tabled specific language to tighten up the language of the bill. There are three amendments in particular I'd like to highlight. One, remove the right of the CRTC to unilaterally designate and use organization as subject to the Act. That's Section 27.2. The intention of the legislation was not to regulate news organizations, so participation by news organizations should be voluntary. (coughs) And I'd ask you also to amend Section 53, which allows the CRTC CRTC to compel any information it deems necessary from a news organization. The information the gathering powers of the CRTC should be limited to information necessary to confirm the eligibility of news organizations or to investigate a complaint. We feel strongly that open-ended powers to compel information are problematic in the context of news organizations. CRTC should not have the powers to compel that information from news organizations beyond what is strictly necessary to administer the act. Unlike broadcasters, newspaper organizations are not structured for detailed, ongoing regulatory reporting. We do not want newspapers spending precious resources Mr. Crowley, responding we're... to regulatory requests.
0: This brings us to the platforms Google and Meta, who have been at the center of the storm over Bill C-18, due not only to their opposition to the bill, but also from their tests of blocking news on their Canadian platforms. Up first, Richard Jingra. Google's vice president of news. Core among the
5: issues with C18 are the provisions that override well established copyright allowances and put a price on links. By making Canada the first country in the world to put a price on free links to web pages, this bill ignores the existing $250 million value of free traffic to publishers and sets a dangerous precedent that is contrary to the long-term interests of the Canadian news ecosystem. Leaving existing copyright balances intact, as was done with the European Union Copyright Directive, would establish a reasonable baseline that recognizes the value of free traffic and enables negotiation of value-added content and services. Regrettably, C18 could see existing support to Canadian news publishers slow down or stop, while Google and others seek, to seek the clarity we need to ensure a reasonable outcome. Creating clear exemption criteria would have the immediate benefit of encouraging Google and publishers to sit down, reach agreements, and flow money to journalism quickly. Replacing final offer arbitration with standard commercial arbitration, which is relied on for the most complex business disputes, would be the fair and just way to settle any resulting disputes. Furthermore, clarifying eligibility criteria would ensure the bill effectively and equitably supports quality journalism for local communities including ensuring that eligible news businesses actually produce journalism and directly fund the creation of journalism. The reality of Bill C-18 is that the extreme level of business uncertainty and uncapped financial liability that Google is being asked to accept merely for providing free links to the news sources Canadians are searching for and which news publishers benefit from, is unreasonable and threatens to create a situation where everyone loses. If we must pay publishers simply for linking to their sites, making us lose money with every click, it would be reasonable for us, or any business, to reconsider why we would continue
0: to do so. Rachel Curran, who represents Meta in Canada, was even more direct about its intent.
8: We estimate that Facebook feed sent Canadian publishers more than 1.9 billion clicks in the last 12 months, uh, free marketing worth more than $230 million in estimated value. This number is proof that our tools and apps are good for the news industry. Our platforms help publishers sell more subscriptions, grow their reach, and display their ads to a larger audience than they might have otherwise. As with other businesses, nonprofit organizations, and even political parties, publishers choose to use our apps because they benefit from doing so. News content uh, is also not a significant source of revenue for Meta. Posts linking to news articles make up less than 3% of what people see in their Facebook feed and one in five Canadians actually say they would prefer to see even less news content on our apps. Globally, more than 90% of organic views on article links from news publishers are on links posted by publishers themselves, not Facebook users. That's why, for months, we've been sharing publicly our concerns with Bill C-18, the Online News Act. A framework that requires us to compensate publishers for links or news content they voluntarily put on our platforms is, quite frankly, Senators, unworkable for us. As the Minister of Canadian Heritage has said, how we choose to comply with the Online News Act is a business decision we must make. And we've made our choice. Because the legislation ignores the realities of how our platforms work, the preferences of people who use them, and the value we provide news publishers, we have no choice but to comply with it by ending the availability of news content in Canada if C-18 is passed as drafted.
0: Now, what would be the impact if those companies block news on their platforms in Canada? The committee got some answers. Here's Philip Crawley from The Globe again in response to a question from Senator Don Adasco.
8: What would the impact be if Facebook leaves?
7: Clearly, um, if Facebook pull out millions of dollars, go away from a global mail point of view. That's uh, They have a deal with us and it's worth you know, a significant amount of money. It's why we've been able to keep growing our revenue that we've had additional licensing money over the last several years as
1: a result of these deals.
0: And here is Village Media's Jeff Elgy.
1: As I mentioned in my speech, Google and Facebook represent upwards of fifty percent of our total traffic. Google's around thirty to thirty five percent. Facebook as of yesterday is roughly seventeen percent depending on the market that we're talking about. If that traffic was lost, the business would be over. Um, you cannot take 50% of our entire inventory away in a business that is not a high-margin business. We're a profitable business, but the margin would not support a 50% loss in traffic. Now, I'm not convinced that Google would fully abandon the industry, but I do believe that Facebook's prepared to follow follow suit on their, their threat, um, in which case we're looking at, as I mentioned, about a 17% traffic loss. It will not devastate our business. We will survive it. However, I think it will devastate other businesses, especially new digital startups. And as I mentioned before, it will prevent the successful launch of new community sites. Facebook has been always one of the best channels for us to use to launch into a new market by promoting our content, um, by building following. um, And yes, we pay them too. We pay them to be on their platform because of the value it brings back to us.
0: All of this raises the question of what the government will do if the bill passes in its current form and Meta and or Google walk away from the news. Ultimately, it seems the government just doesn't have answers, both for what happens as well as for the inconsistency in its position. Here's an exchange between Senator Paula Simons and Canadian Heritage Minister Pablo Rodriguez on the government's seemingly non-existent backup plans.
6: clear that they intend to block all Canadian news and the sharing of all Canadian news the moment royal assent is given to this bill. Google has been more oblique, but the threat that they have demonstrated their capacity to do this is very real. What happens if on July 1st the platforms have disengaged from the Canadian news market and have ceased to share Canadian content?
9: Well, that's, that's the way Facebook would like us to look at it, right? Because what we're discussing now is, are we going to back, back down because of the threats?
6: No, it's not a question of backing down. If they – I mean, perhaps this is a question that Mr. Ripley can answer too. If Facebook blocks the sharing of links, will you still compel them to go to arbitration?
9: Well, first, they have to explain why. They have to make that decision. It's a business decision, but they make a lot of money here. There's an impact for them to do that, and also a reputational impact. And then at the end of the day, if that's the case, we'll, we'll analyze what happens. Uh, they, they have my number. Uh, they, I told them to reach me. I met with them at the beginning. At the beginning, I met with everyone, Facebook, Google. Facebook, never, they never called me back, I think, to, to, for a meeting, right, after that? No? Not me, huh? No. And I told her, they have my cell phone. Come well, on. Okay, but, so. So,
6: but that, that is not my question. My question is, this entire Rube Goldberg device of a subsidy machine is predicated on the idea that Google and Facebook are going to continue to operate in the Canadian market. Now, maybe this is a big game of chicken. I have certainly expressed to Google and Facebook my belief that if they pull out, they will cut off their noses to spite their faces. I do not think that for them to leave is an is an economically neutral decision. But that is what they claim that they will do. So I want to understand, I want it clearly on the record. If Facebook and Google cease to share Canadian content, what happens to C18? Do you then go to TikTok? Do you go to the next platforms down the list? Or is, or do we just say, well, that was an interesting thought experiment, and now we're not going to do that anymore?
9: No, I think this, this is an, it's, this is not an experiment. This is a very important bill. Um, I think that Facebook, are still every pretty much everywhere, they back out of Australia a little bit. They went back, but it's up to them. It's not to me to explain what, what, it's, it's their decision to make that. I, I'm not going to comment on hypothesis and then start to speculate and then because you know what, I'm never going to make any decision on threats. Never. I never did, I never will. Never.
6: It's not really what I'm asking. Perhaps Mr. Ripley can answer the question. The bill is silent. It does not name platforms. It doesn't have the words Alphabet or Meta, Google, Instagram, are not in the bill. The bill refers to online intermediaries. So, in the event that Facebook and Google cease to be meaningful online intermediaries in the Canadian space... Would the bill then contemplate, looking at Bing, TikTok, Amazon, I mean, whoever are the next major players in terms of Canadian advertising and news links? I'll
9: pass it to to, to, all and after, but we've said it clearly in the bill that they have to be in a dominant situation, dominant, right? And there will be thresholds, there will be regulations, and in the regulations, actually in the thresholds we're looking at, there's only two. And that's Facebook, that's Facebook, and Google, and the rest are way, way far away, right? Very, very, very far away. But I don't know why we're discussing about the threats and and trying to be scared about you know about the threats. When and also the government has options, Senator. There's other things we can do, and all options are on the table. Believe me. what, What
6: what would they be?
9: The, the options, all, all, the, all of the options in terms of, in terms of advertising, there's different programs, there's all kinds of stuff that we, deci- we do, we decide not to do anymore, maybe we decide to increase, but those are options will we'll be explained if we get there, but we're not oh, so, there. So, so, like,
6: so the, options would be things like putting government advertising back in local newspapers. But
9: we're, we're, playing, we're playing Facebook's game at this moment. We're discussing their threat, and I'm not making decision based on threats, Senator, with all due respect.
0: And finally, here's Senator Fabian Manning pointing to the obvious inconsistency in the government's position, and Minister Rodriguez flailing at a response.
4: Notwithstanding the fact that news outlets themselves post their content on their platforms, and they benefit greatly from increased traffic uh, to their websites as a result, I just want to give you the opportunity to explain how, on one hand, uh, I've heard government say that uh, the platforms are stealing content and basically that, you know, we want to, to stop that. Uh, and on and, and the other side, they say, okay, fine, we will not carry the content anymore. And then the government comes back and says, you know, you're kind of acting like big boys in the room or big girls in the room or bullies because you're not carrying it anymore. Uh, so, how, how do you say, on one hand, that they are doing something wrong by allowing the news links to be carried? And on the other hand, say they're doing something wrong, but not allowing them to be carried. Like, how, where do you, where, where's the middle ground here? Well,
9: I, I never said that they're, they're stealing the content because there was no regulations before, no law, there was nothing. So, you know, putting, having those, the content on the platforms and paying nothing was not a problem because there was nothing in the law. That's why I call the Wild West. That's the problem that we have now where societies are transiting where we're going from a society where these platforms and not even the internet existed to a society where it exists but it's not regulated to a society where not only they exist but they will you know, join the club and be regulated by, like anyone, anyone else. So once that happens then having that content without any, paying anything for it becomes a problem. Because there is regulation, which is the natural normal for a government and a society to do.
0: That's the Law Bites podcast for this week. If you have comments, suggestions, or other feedback, write to lawbites at pobox.com. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Law Bites Pod or Michael Geist at mgeist. You can download the latest episodes from my website at michaelgeist.ca or subscribe via RSS, at Apple Podcast, Google, or Spotify. The Law Bites podcast is produced by Gerardo LeBron LeBoy. Music by the LeBoy brothers, Gerardo and Jose LeBron LeBoy. Credit information for the clips featured in this podcast can be found in the show notes for this episode at michaelgeist.ca. I'm Michael Geist. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.